0: I love reading romance, even with my mom Historical, paranormal, a good rom-com with both like a grump, an alpha and a beard But reading with my mom, well it gets kinda weird I'm reading steamy scenes, getting bothered and hot But if mom is asking, I read it for the plot We look for swoony scenes, those moments that delight Communication's good and the banter's so right So if you'd like to read along and join the group Here's a little secret, I'll let you into the loop. It's just a little show that we like to dub, Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club. Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going, Ellen? It's going well,
1: quite well. Good.
0: Today we are having a free-for-all where we talk about whatever book we want and you do the same. But first,
1: Mom, what
0: have you been reading and watching?
1: I'm not going to talk about what I've been reading yet. Yep. So that's like a cliffhanger. There, so, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So They're just like hanging on the edge of Chomping at the bit, waiting for me edge to get of to... of their seats. I know. It's pretty fascinating. But um, the only thing I can think of that I've been watching is I started a rewatch of Community. Yeah, you did. From Season 1, Episode 1. And that is a delightful show. She needed a show that, like... I could watch when Ellen and my husband both weren't here, and I was just home alone. and Not that anyone would get mad at me for watching without them.
0: Yeah, which you seem to think I do a lot more than I do.
1: Well, your dad, though, would want... He'd be more like,
2: Why didn't you wait for
1: me? Which is exactly what he sounds like. Yeah, that's... So I started watching Community, and um, I do really like that show. It's another cast that Ellen and I have seen multiple times when we went to Comic-Con. We have. And um, Jill McHale, tall drink of delicious water. You should try that new one that he just... Yeah, I, I, have, I haven't heard
0: anything about I heard it. I haven't heard anything but... about it
1: either, but I did, I did see an advertisement for it. But um, So I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Troy and Abed are like my most favorite Troy and Abed couple and ever Ma- on... on. <laughs> sitcoms ever. I love them. Yeah. They're anyway, pretty, they're pretty fun.
0: Um, I haven't been watching much except for Peloton stuff. Oh yeah, Ellen got a Peloton. Um, My dad and I went in on a Peloton together. Um, So that came on Thursday. And so I've been doing that. And I have been doing it, right? You have been doing it. There's some dishy instructors on there. There is a guy that is on there who I had to show to mom because I was like he is ridiculous and he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> and he better just knock it off. He does exactly also, the effect also, he's having. Maybe not because I do enjoy it. His name is Bradley Rose if if anybody is interested in looking him up. He's um British. He's a British just Tall, smirky. He's got a quirky smile that's just like, yeah. "Mm, And mm." stop it. But like, he know he (laughs) has to know what he's doing because it's kind. It's kind of ridiculous. It is a little ridiculous. Where it's just like, but "Mm -mm." in a good way. Yeah, a good way ridiculous. (laughs) I like it. Um, and like you know, I'm pouring sweat, looking disgusting, and he's just like, "You got this. You're amazing." And I'm like. Thank you for like <laughs> having you say that to me right now is just really firing on all cylinders. That's why cylinders. they do it, Ellen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but it's been fun so far. I I have enjoyed it, and I'm I'm doing this like program that has you use the spin classes, and then you also add on like core and strength stuff, and it's it's kicking my butt a little bit. But I need a little butt kick, so it's okay. Cool. Cool, but, cool. Yeah. Um, so that's all I've been watching. And then, like, I'll talk about what I've been reading. Although maybe I've already... In quotes. In quotes. And what I've already... And then maybe I've already talked about having been reading it as well. Um, but later. So... Today, we are doing another episode of what we call the free-for-all. How it works is that mom and I have both picked a book that we wanted to read. We're going to talk a little bit about our books, but more importantly, we have opened it up to you to send in your own book reports. And for a book that you have recently read, whether you liked it or not, everybody always seems to do ones that they've liked recently. Um, which we get, because it's not fun to talk about a book that you don't yeah. in like. Been there. Um, so, we love these episodes. We know you guys do as well, and just get those TBRs ready, because this is always... Yeah. I always walk away with a list. Where we, yeah, where we get our lists. So, first, we are going to hear from Mom on what she's been reading. So, Mom... Lay
1: it on me. Well, and this might be something that someone on the group recommended to me at some point in time, but that's not where I found it. I just kind of found it on my own. I wanted to go back to my roots of historical romance mystery. Mm -hmm. So I looked on Goodreads in different places and found this series. It's called the Lady, Lady Darby Mysteries. And the first book is called The Anatomist's Wife, and they are by Anna Lee Huber, or Huber, but I'm going to say Huber. And um, this, I really enjoyed this first book so much that I'm in the middle of the second book now, but it's a story about a woman who was an artist, and her dad just didn't get her, and so he finally marries her off, and she doesn't really care because she doesn't really care about getting married, so he marries her off to this man who's an anatomist, and he's writing an anatomy book. And turns out he only married her because she was an artist and didn't really care about much else and forced her. She didn't want to do it, but he forced her to sit and draw pictures of him as he dissected bodies. And she hated it, but, um, but she did it. And then after, I think, three years, her husband died but then it came out that she'd been doing these pictures. And so all of society was just, you know, rumors were running rampant about what a horrible person she was and that she was seducing men so her husband could kill them and cut them up. And there's just all these terrible rumors. None of them were true. And, um, and so finally, when she was able to help them understand that she'd been forced to do these things that they thought were ungodly for a woman to do, um, they let her go, but she still had this cloud hanging over her head of suspicion. So she's living with her sister in Scotland and there's a house party at which a woman is killed. And one of the guests there, his father is a famous investigator. And so they ask him to investigate, to try and figure out who the murderer is. And they ask her to help him just because she's so, she knows so much about the human body. So they just asked her to help him look at the corpse to figure out what had happened to her. I mean, her throat was slit, so they knew that, but they were just, if there were any other clues on the body. And, um, it turns out she was a huge help to him in solving this mystery and little romance budding between them. And it's going to be one of those series where the romance takes forever to, I mean, it's going to be a slow burn on the romance, but there are definitely sparks flying between these two. And, um, uh, really interesting stories, different, different storylines than I'm used to reading and I've really enjoyed them. So if that's, if you're like me and that's kind of your cup of tea, I highly recommend the Lady Darby Mysteries.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for that, mom. You're it's, welcome,
1: Ellen. It does
0: straight up sound like <laughs> mom's bread and butter right there. Oh, My thing right there.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Uh... After mom, first up to bat, we have Anna. So let's hear from Anna on what she has been reading.
4: Hey, No Yomo's, mom and Ellen. This is Anna coming to you from Portland, Oregon. For this free for all, I read The Hookup Plan by Ferrara Rochon. And this had come to me via the Facebook page where somebody had listed in the poll and I read the back cover description, thought it sounded really interesting. So I checked it out. So here is the back cover description. Successful pediatric surgeon London Kelly just needs to find some balance and de-stress. According to her friends, Samaya and Taylor, what London really needs is a casual hookup. A night of fun with no strings, but no one, least of all London, expected it to go down at her high school reunion with Drew Sullivan, millionaire, owner of Delicious Abs, and oh yes, her arch nemesis. Now London is certain the road to hell is paved with good sex, because she's found out the real reason Drew's back in Austin, to decide whether her beloved hospital remains open. Worse, Drew's doing everything he can to show her he's a decent guy who actually cares. But London's not falling for it, because while sleeping with the enemy is one thing, falling for him is definitely not part of the plan. So I really loved this book. It is, um, there's potentially some pacing issues. It it felt a little bit slow, um, but it's very much a lovely story. It's very much a, a character story of, um two mature adults who care about their work and their jobs and have very, um, wonderful discussions and there's no, um, angstiness or really conflict in this one, um, which I really enjoyed and appreciated it. So it's, I would say there wasn't, it was more of an HFN more than, um, an H-E-A, but overall it was just the characters were so enjoyable and thoughtful, and there was the chemistry. They had a wonderful connection, and it was just really, really lovely, and uh, I enjoyed every second of it, so I would highly recommend it, and um, I thank you for the suggestion. I'm sorry, I don't remember who put it out there, but I appreciate the suggestion, and uh, thanks so much for letting me uh, tell you all about it. I hope somebody else checks it out. Thanks so much. Bye!
0: Anna, now you understand our pain of never being able to remember who has recommended what books um, and being indebted, but having (laughs) no source of memory. Um, So that was Anna with The Hookup Plan by Farrah uh, Rochon. um, And appreciate you sending in that book port. That book does sound Delightful. Yeah. We you know that we love a good easy communication plot. Yeah. Um okay, so next up we have Arthur on what he's been reading. So let's hear from our friend
2: Arthur. Hey Ellen, Mom, No yomos. This is Arthur calling in to give my book report for the winter twenty twenty-three free fall. And the book I'm selecting for today is The Writing Retreat by Julia Butts? I actually read this as an ER, e like, on on NetGalley last year and it was uh, just officially published just, re- just, uh, just last week and uh, it, it was such a blast to dive into. Basically, it revolves around uh, Alex, this associate editor for a publisher and she's undergoing writer's block and then she ends up getting invited to this writing retreat up in, in the mountains, that is gonna be headed by a horror author, who she idolizes, and then mysterious things start happening up at this writing retreat. And I won't go into any more of the details to that because I, and I would also advise to uh, avoid the premise, looking up the premise of the book, because even if you just read that. Like the back cover and it actually gives away a major plot point. It doesn't even happen until the 50% mark in the plot. So I sort I, I of avoid the back cover but it has such an installing atmosphere so all of these twists and turns that kept me wrapped up in the whole mystery. There's even a dynamic in the book so that actually reminds me quite a bit of Whiplash and the, and the horror author who's in charge of this achievement actually reminds me quite a bit of JK Simmons' character from that movie. And when I was looking this up, it actually makes sense because the author had actually been directly inspired by that movie, which was really great to learn. And this was, and I, I, look, I know it's only February, but at this point, I am ready to say that it's one of my favorite books of 2023. So that's my recommendation: Writing a Cheat by Julia, but it's definitely a, a great thriller to dive into. And I'm pumped to hear what everyone else is submitting for this as free all. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you, Arthur. Um, That's another one that sounds potentially up Mom's alley. Yeah, I do like a good mystery. Mom likes a mystery thriller type book. Um, It does look like there's no romance. Arthur, you can correct me, but it's not categorized as any sort of romance, which is totally fine, but... Just to give listeners a warning, <laughs> who are <laughs> potentially going to it for for any sort of that, um, but intriguing yeah. color color us intrigued, Arthur. Um, so that was Arthur with uh, the writing retreat by Julia Bartz. Next up, we have Ashley with what she's been reading, and she's already warned me that she has a hard time um she said saying hi to somebody in 3 minutes let alone talking about a book for 3 minutes um but Ashley you're forgiven let's hear about her, her book I know Yomos. This
5: is Ashley. And the book I want to talk about today is How to Be a Normal Person by T.J. Clune. This is a male-male romance who follows our one main character, Gustavo Tiberius. Love that name. Um, and Gus lives a very solitary life. Uh, we find out pretty early on his mom took off when he was younger. His dad had died a, a few years prior. So it's basically just him. And the book starts off where we're basically going along the day with him. He wakes up um he gets ready uh he basically before he leaves for the day will look in the mirror and say today's going to be an okay day then he goes across the street to the coffee shop called Lottie's Lattes which he despises that name because uh he hates alliteration it really gets on his nerves he gets his coffee then he goes to his job at a video rental store that he owns and it's Oh, hilarious. Uh, this is the main reason why I wanted to suggest this book report is because it's so funny. But he basically keeps the, the uh, video store open from eight to four, which is really the hours of when everybody would be at work. And he does that purposely because he doesn't want to interact with people. It actually really bothers him when anybody comes into the store. And just real quick, if you're like, okay, well, how's this person making any money to live off of? We do find out uh, later in the book, I guess his dad had purchased pretty much all the buildings in this town. And so when he passed away, Gus kind of took over as landlord. So that's that's where he's getting his money to live off of. And the video store is just something that he's keeping open in, in honor of his dad. But every day, there is a group of three women that come in, Uh, they are older ladies in their 80s, and they call themselves We Three Queens, which is, um, now that I actually just tried to say that out loud, it's quite the tongue twister. But they come in, and again, it's hilarious because Gus is like, I don't know if these women are sisters or if they're all in a relationship together, and I can't figure out how to ask them. Uh, But they've really taken Gus under their wing. They bought Gus uh, one of those inspirational quote calendars at the beginning of the year. So every day when they come in, they ask him about the quote of the day, and Lottie does as well. So uh, you know, then they go home, and Gus, when the shop is closed, he goes home to his pet. Ferret Harry S. Truman and then he makes dinner and then spends the evening reading the encyclopedia. He has a flip phone, no internet, I don't even think he has a TV, so he has a very structured life, and those four women are really the only social interaction that he gets, and in his mind, that is perfect. Everything is great. Until one day, he walks into the coffee shop, and Lottie's not behind the counter is her nephew, Casey. Now, Casey, on the pat- back cover description of the book, is described as an ace asexual uh, stoner hipster. Which first, I love that we do have an asexual character. I don't think we really see too, too much of that in romance. And just right off the bat though, Gus is just completely flustered because it's like, here's this new person I need to try to talk to and interact with. And I need to remember, you know, what, what I should be asking and what I should be saying. And also he doesn't like the fact that Casey is a hipster because he finds hipsters really annoying. So he's so flustered, but Casey, meanwhile, like right off the bat is just completely enamored with Gus. He's just like, oh my God, like, how are you this person? We are going to be best friends and really starts to get goes out of his shell a little bit and it really develops into this cute friends to lovers, um, you know, romance between the two of them. And but as I said earlier, the reason why I really wanted to request this book was just I found it so funny. I laughed so hard during this book. And I'm not talking just like a little chuckle, like straight up crying. I'm laughing so hard for five minutes. I mean, just the interactions they have, the banter, um, and not just necessarily between Gus and Casey, between Lottie and and the, the three queens. They're just all so cute. The Town dynamic, I think, if you're a fan of Schitt's Creek, kind of reminded me a little bit of that real quirky town feel, but everybody's just so supportive of each other, um, and it was really cute, but like I said, just the the title comes from one day Gus goes to get his coffee, and he overhears a conversation between Casey and Lottie, where Lottie's kind of just telling Casey, like, hey, be careful with Gus, he's, he's a little different from everybody, and Casey's just like, yeah, no, he's strange, he's weird, he's not normal, and we know that that's actually a positive thing with Casey, but Gus hears that, not that he's offended, but he just sort of starts to reflect on his life and and how he lives and he's like yeah maybe I should be making more of an attempt to quote unquote be normal and and put myself out there more so he's like well I got to get some more information on how to do this first and the encyclopedia doesn't have this so let me go to the library which of course leads to a really hilariously awkward interaction so he's like can't go back there anymore so I guess I got to finally get the internet and then the first thing he does when he gets the internet is he Googles how to be a normal person, clicks on the first link, because he's like, well, if this is the first result out of a billion, it has to be it has to be good. And then we actually see the what he's reading. And even that's hilarious because sometimes you're reading it and you're like, okay, this seems like this could be maybe from a legitimate website. And then like something would be thrown in there, a line and you're like, what is this guy reading? And even Gus is just like, I don't know who wrote this. And it's not that he takes it for gospel necessarily, but when he does interact with Casey, he gets so flustered and so nervous and trying to remember what he read. He just ends up blurting out the random lines like, oh, I got to go. I'm running late for my business meeting in Uruguay. Or, hey, how do you do on the history test? Which not going to give you much context, just me saying it, but in the context of the book, it's hilarious. And even Gus, when he says these really awkward lines, he's like, I don't know why I said that just ignore it but Casey just is it finds it hilarious and I think that's a really beautiful part of the story too is just how accepting they are of each other right off the bat Casey has no issues with or, or Gus I should say has no issues with Casey being asexual and Casey is completely fine with Gus not being quote unquote normal. And you know, it's, it's really wonderful. And also too, it's very heartwarming when Gus starts remembering his dad and conversations that they had. And you can just see how much he loved his son. So as funny as it is, there's a lot of really heartwarming parts as well. And even at the end, this is a really low angst book, but there's a grand gesture at the end that just completely melted my heart. Probably one of the best grand gestures I've read in a while. So I really enjoyed this book. Bit of a content warning though, if, if um, somebody is, is interested in picking this up, there is a lot of recreational pot use. As I said, Casey is described as a stoner hipster. So there is a lot of pot in this book, and if that's something that you prefer to not read about, this is probably not going to be the book for you. But if that's something that you're okay with, um, I think this was just a really fun way to, you know, spend a couple of hours. It's, like I said, really funny, really heartwarming, um, and hopefully this sounds interesting to some of you. All right, that
0: cutoff was... Not it was not me cutting you off, <laughs> Ashley. Um That's the way it came. It was how I got the audio file. Um but it sounded like she was wrapping up, so I'm I'm gonna allow it. Um and Ashley that book sounds
1: delightful. Sounds... Your retelling of it was delightful. Quite charming. You had me at pot use. <laughs> You know, if a book doesn't mom, have pot he's in it, I'm not going to read it. Mom is all
0: over that trash. <laughs> um, so that was Ashley with How to Be a Normal Person by TJ Klune, um, who I've always seen um, her, their name, um, around, and I've never read one of their books. So um, I would be interested in trying a TJ Klune book. Um, so thank you for that, Ashley. Um Next up, we have Gail with what she's been reading. So let us hear from Gail.
6: Hi, Noyomos. My name is Gail, and I'm here with my book report. So um, for this free-for-all, I decided to read a um, category romance. It's been a long time since I've read one, and I... I think I got my start in reading romance with them and uh, have read a lot of them over the years. I chose one from the Harlequin Presents line, which I think was the first uh, romance line that I ever read because my mom had some that she had gotten um, with the sort of free mail order and had kind of hidden away in the basement that I found and secretly read. And that line is pretty characterized by um, international settings, which I really like, um, but also this sort of like rich and powerful men, usually with a younger woman um, who doesn't have much power, um, which is something that I don't really like. What I read was one called Claiming His Bollywood Cinderella by Tara Pammy. um, And the description is, a Brief Encounter, A Forbidden Fairy Tale. The hottest actor in Bollywood, Vikram Rawal, has found love countless times when he's playing a role. In real life, he's given up on finding a soul-deep connection and prefers to focus entirely on his career. Until, at a masquerade ball, one woman leaves him craving more. Naina Manan's first impression of drop-dead gorgeous Vikram left much to be desired, but then one heart-stopping night shows her there's so much more to him than his celebrity persona. Still, he's a billionaire and she's a humble assistant. Is passionate enough to bridge their different worlds. What I liked about it was uh, it really started off uh, with a bang um, because we have this sort of like instant, uh, there's a, a scene to kind of set up a sort of instant conflict between the couple. Then there's this party, masquerade party And they connect again. She knows who he is. And he's actually like a childhood crush of hers because he's 12 years older. So when she was a teenager, he was a, you know, young 20-something movie star. And she had his poster on her bedroom wall. So she's got the crush on him. um, But he doesn't know who she is. They basically have sex, you know, while she has the mask on. You know, there's this instant sexual attraction between them, even though you know, without the mask, they um, don't get along so well. And so then they have more interactions. um, And he figures out that she's the girl in the mask and she figures out that he knows that and so on. So I felt like the middle of the story kind of bogged down a bit. Um, The overall timeline of this story, I think, is maybe two months, um, and so it's very much a sort of instant attraction, instant love, which isn't something I like. From that standpoint, it was a little bit of a dis- disappointing story for me, but maybe what I should have expected. I loved the um, the fact that the book is set in India, um, kind of in this Bollywood culture. And I uh, did a little uh, listening to some Bollywood music while listening while reading the book which was really fun to kind of get me in the mood so whether you choose this book um, or some other category romance I encourage you to pick up a category romance um, and just kind of be reminded of one of the ways that romance really got its start so thanks for listening and have a good week
0: Thank you, Gail. Um, I know that, I'm pretty sure it was Gail that was advocating to get a category romance on this next poll. Gail, I wish you luck. Gail, I wish you luck. I would like to see, I would also like to see a category on there, I think. I've never read one. I've read, well, I think, like, technically the Thanksgiving one that we read was oh. technically a Harlequin. Um, The, like, what was it? It was the one we read like two years ago, like not this past year but the year before I think there's one that we've read that just because I'm visualizing the cover um but uh yeah, I mean like i've read I've read a few, but I definitely don't have like a ton of exposure to a Harlequin or a Miles and Boone or
1: we had a friend that used to write Harlequin romances, Hmm. I would love to pick up one of hers if I could find it. I think she wrote under a different name, so I don't know that I'd be able to find it to be able to find her.
0: Um, But that was Gail with uh, his Bollywood, claiming his Bollywood Cinderella by Tara Pammy. Um, And next up we have Ian, first time caller, uh, with what he's been reading. So let us hear from Ian.
7: Hi, Ellen. Hi, Julie. Hi, listeners. This is Ian, and the book I'm going to be talking about today is A Deal with the Devil by Elizabeth O'Rourke. This is a contemporary romance set in L.A. The heroine in this book is Tali. She's an aspiring author who's currently in a tough spot financially, so her friend sets her up with a temporary assistant job to Hayes, The hero, who is a highly sought-after plastic surgeon, working for celebrities and rich housewives in Los Angeles he's a bit arrogant he's got some issues he's got some baggage but he kind of drowns them in work he's a serious workaholic and he he also covers up his issues by um, womanizing and drinking i got a slight doctor house meets james bond vibe Um, not the super spy james bond but the the sort of messy you know drinking and womanizing and wisecracking James Bond. So, Tali and Hayes get off on the wrong foot. Um, I've seen this described as uh, enemies to lovers, um, but I would, I would say enemies is probably a bit too strong of a word. They start off more as antagonistic. Um, because of his, his issues, he's naturally quite um, cold and prickly and doesn't like anyone to get close. Um, and she just doesn't take any of his bullshit, she just gives it right back to him. And so they start, start off making little digs at each other, which, um, evolves into fun banter, which is definitely a big highlight of the book. They're, they're both very witty, very sarcastic, there's a bit of dark humour, and gets a little bit, um, a little bit dirty, a little bit flirty at times. Yeah, it's, it's really good, I was, I was eating it up. Um, the way the relationship evolves from sort of annoyed co-workers to kind of friends to, I guess, lovers is uh, is really well written. Um, I was hanging on to every little tidbit, every little sign of um, deepening affection. It is a bit of a slow burn, but the, the tension is really great. There's a lot of caretaking on both sides, um, including a sickbed scene, which we all love, and also a fake dating scene, which is very fun um, It was everything I wanted in a, in a boss-employee romance When I think about this book critically, it was very good, but there were multiple aspects I found um, a bit weak, so I guess it would be logical for me to give it like 4 stars But the fact is, I was hooked the whole way through, it was very fun, very swoony, I laughed out loud multiple times, so in terms of enjoyment, it's an easy 5 stars. I read this book on Kindle Unlimited, but I wanted to mention that the authors released the audiobook on YouTube for free, so I figure some of you guys will be interested in that. I will say, um, although the narrator does a good job, I Preferred the ebook because I don't think the character of Hayes came through quite as well in audio form. But then again, it's I guess it's hard to uh, beat a free audiobook. I think that about does it from me. Thank you for listening.
0: Ian, we don't want to make you uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Never. But but you should you should yourself <laughs> consider narrating an audiobook. <laughs> your accent and your voice. <laughs> Are really something, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, and I hope that you send in lots and lots of... <laughs> Not for <a> weird <laughs> Of book reports on our free-for-alls.
0: Um, because we were also listening to the content, and that was also top-notch. Yet. Um, no, but... Um yes thank you for a free audiobook recommendation yeah. and um but I totally get it like there's I think I read one recently where I was like oh yeah friends without benefits and I was like this is not what the
1: character is supposed to sound like or act like, or and the, just like completely. Or sometimes they'll try to do an accent, and it's like, no, no, that's not the way the accent sounds. That's completely wrong. Yeah, I get, I get it. How a narrator can throw off what what, um, what you visualize in your brain. And we also totally get um, looking at a book critically and feeling a
0: little differently about it <laughs> than um, you would otherwise, <laughs> because that
1: is our. We do for a living. I'm using air quotes.
0: (laughs) I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but um I I had a um I have a friend who, bless her heart, she's like a chatty Kathy to the extreme. Um, I lived with her when I lived in LA. And um we were we had some people over and they were asking her, like, what's been going on with you? How have you been doing? And she just, like, went off and was complaining about all this stuff. And then at the end, she said, anyway, that's my struggle. mine Kampf. <laughs> and I, I was just... Because we didn't know these people that well. And so I was just like, I cannot believe that you just said that. But it became such a joke between the two of us that now anytime I want to say my struggle or, like, my hardship or something. This is I, what I'm going through. I always want to say, anyway, that's mine Calm. <laughs> and it's so, it's so not appropriate. <laughs> but it makes me...
1: <laughs> and if you knew Ellen's roommate, you'd go, oh, yeah, I see. I, I get it. It's even, but, yeah. <laughs> but I was just, but anyway, so... Um. That's our comp.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry if that's inappropriate to people.
1: Anyway, Ian, call it
0: Colin <laughs> <call in> frequently. <laughs> um. Yes, thank you, Ian. Um. I've I've really yeah. enjoyed your insights as of late. Um. On the podcast, so I, hopefully we didn't just ostracize. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: get me away from these crazy women. <laughs>
0: um. Anyway, uh, that was Ian with A Deal with the Devil by Elizabeth O'Rourke. Sorry for going off on a Hitler timing. <laughs> <laughs> well, after your thing. Okay, um, next up we have Catherine with what she's been reading. So let's hear from Catherine.
8: For the free for all this week, I read Twice a Quinceanera by Shamile Sayed Mendez. She's well published in picture books and middle grade, and she has an award winning YA novel. But this is her first romance novel. Twice a Quinceañera follows Nadia, a lawyer who dumps her fiance one month before the wedding for being a cheater and a general scumbag. Good riddance to him. But now the time for any refunds on the venue has passed. So, since her 30th birthday is the day after the now canceled wedding, all of her family is flying in they can't refund their trips, she decides to use the existing venue and the existing party and throw herself the quinceanera she never had, or a duple quince, if you will, since 15 times 2 is 30. Marcos is pulling the prodigal son routine. He's back in Utah County for the first time since dishonoring his family and family tragedy, So he's working at the wedding venue they own, and who walks in to cancel her wedding, but a fling he had in college. I am uh, also Hispanic, and I did not have an official quince as well um, when I turned 15, so I really did to that. But one thing I really liked about this book is how it shows diversity of different Latinos than we see in other media and different from my own life as well. I believe neither of the main characters are Mormon, but a lot of Marcos' family is, and it is something that shapes his perspective a lot. When Latinos are represented in media, they're usually Catholic or evangelical, and they're from one of three countries, usually Mexico. In this book, Marcos's mom was from Uruguay, um, Nadia's family is Argentinian, and there are a lot of other intersections of Latinidad. Represented throughout the book, so that was very cool to see. And something else I also really enjoyed was Marcos's plotline, heavily featured him becoming a godfather for the first time. He was really into it, and there's something about a man who takes his godparenting duty very seriously that is so swoony. And I recently had a conversation with a friend who asked, "What is the English word for the father of my godchild?" if I'm the godfather and he's the father, what are we? And the answer is there is not an English word for that. If you look up uh, compadre in Google translate, it says buddy, but that is not, that's not what the father, that doesn't say father of my god child, you know? So it's, it's different. And this is nerdy, but I put a lot of thought in my free-for-all picks I like bringing books by authors of color books I haven't heard anyone talking about and books I feel like I can see no yomo's really liking liking regular or loving so I will say when I got to the conflict I was like oh no I can't recommend it to the group Um, but they do resolve the conflict in about 24 hours so I will give them credit and I can give them a pass Overall, I think there's some really interesting plot lines in this one. It has a really fun premise. If you're looking for a book with interesting families, soccer, Spanish, a big party, pretty and ugly dresses, and a very hateable villain, it has an HEA. This one was available to borrow with no wait at my library, so definitely go check it out. Happy reading, everybody. Big hugs. Bye.
0: Thank you, Catherine. Um, that was Catherine again with "Twice a Quinceanera" by Shamile Sayed Mendez. Um, and yeah, that sounds
1: cute. It does sound cute. Um, and I never got a quinceanera. Should yeah, I? What the hell? <laughs> should I? I? And I'm sixty, so I should get three of them. <laughs> More than, More than three. I was <laughs> going to say, I'm like, I think I'm at three. What would I be? Fifteen. No, I, at, I get four. I get four seniors. So, so there you go. We'll get right on that. Get on that, peeps. <laughs>
0: um, but yes, that sounds cute. And apparently the author and I went to the same college. So fun fact. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so next up, uh, we have me. I forgot. (laughs) So, um, I've mentioned it before, and you guys know that I like to take the easy, lazy way out. So, um, I've been listening to Happily Ever Ninja by Penny Reed. Um, it is the fifth book in her Knitting in the City series. And, listen, I could have read a new book by a new author that you guys haven't heard us talk about ad nauseum, um... But I was listening to this book this week, and I just kept thinking about how, like, unique it is within the genre. And we've talked about it before, like, when we kind of did, like, our Knitting in the City rundown, like... Overview. We but, like all year- the books. But we did that years ago, and so I wanted to just give this book another, like, shout out, because I do think it's worth knowing about if you're not aware of this book. Um... This book is about a, the kind of den mother of the knitting group, Fiona. Throughout the series, she's like the happily married, stable member of the group. She kind of like looks out
1: for... And that's one thing already. She's already married. Yes. Okay. I don't need you I'm to sorry. start weighing sorry, in on sorry. my book report. Because <laughs> I have a whole thing. I'm sure you do. There's no doubt in my yeah. mind. <laughs>
0: okay. So, um, and that's kind of what makes the book so unique before mom started treading on my toes. Whatever. It finds her struggling to, like, manage the day-to-day of taking care of her house, taking care of her kids, essentially on her own, because her husband, Greg, has this job that, like, sees him away for, like, most of the time. Like, he's gone a lot. Um, And at no point in this book do Greg and Fiona ever not love each other or feel like they're falling out of love with each other? And at no point does Fiona tell him to quit his job, but she does kind of reach a breaking point where she realizes, like, I don't know if I can do this on my own anymore. Like, this is getting too hard, and to have you just kind of step in every couple months and have opinions on having on how our children should be raised and then leave and leave me to like take care of your opinions and how you want things to be done. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like it's just too hard. And um, and so this book doesn't necessarily, like without spoiling too much if you haven't read it, um, it doesn't necessarily have a happily ever after because we've already seen like supposedly their happily ever after has already happened. Like they're married, they're happily married except for this thing, um, and they're very much in love with each other. So, But this book kind of leaves you with, like, a happier year ever after. Like, it leaves their marriage and their family in a better place than it started. And I just don't know if I've ever encountered another romance like that. Um, I mean, I've read other books about married people, but it's usually people who find themselves, like, on the brink of divorce because they just don't know. Like, the passion is gone. They just don't know if they love each other anymore. Um, this one is never that. It's... The passion is still there. They... They want to hit hit it every time they're together. Every time they get, like, a free moment, they're like, let's... Quick, let's do it. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's more them, like, finding this point in their marriage where... I don't know, they're, they're helping lift each other's burdens a little bit and um, finding a way to make their lives happier and more fulfilled for each other as well. And um, I just, I just really love it. It also has, like, some fun action suspense type of plot and typical penny banter because, like, throughout the series you kind of get these hints that Fiona has kind of an interesting past and um she was like a CIA agent and Greg through his job is kidnapped by like these pirates essentially <laughs> um like Captain Phillips type pirates and um and so she like goes and tries to rescue him and um and so this it comes this whole plot but throughout all of that they're having these like conversations about how he doesn't want their son to take soccer if their daughter also isn't going to do soccer. And she's like, why? And he's like, because of the patriarchy. And like, you know, if he's going to do something, she should do it too. And she's like, but she doesn't want to do it. And I don't want to make him not be able to do soccer if... Just because his sister doesn't want to do it, she's five. She doesn't care. And they're about having soccer. this argument while <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while they're in a like a Nigerian prison, prison. or something <laughs> like that. And um, and so I don't know. It's 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 very unique. It's very interesting to read a romance that is about a well-established romance and see how that might work, and um, it also has, like, these really lovely um, in chapter intros where, that are all written, suppose, I think they're all real, I'm not entirely sure, but written by, like, they're, like, love notes between husbands and wives, um, and they're really sweet, and I don't know, I just, I really loved this idea of a book about a married couple.
1: When I was reading that series, and I read this book, I literally felt, like, pe- Penny Reed reached inside my brain and ripped out part of part of me. Yeah. I mean, it it struck me on so many levels because, first of all, my husband's name is Greg. Yeah. <clears throat> and I used to be a CIA agent. No, <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. That's so so hilarious. <laughs> but and my husband was gone. He was in the military in the Air Force and was gone for big chunks of time during when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. And so I felt exactly what Fiona was going through on so many levels. And um I just really appreciated this book for what it was, for exactly what you said, for its... I mean, it was frustrating. It was a frustrating situation, but it didn't mean I didn't love my husband or that I wanted him to quit his job or that I... You know, weren't grateful to him for, for, yeah, because it was as hard on him as it was on me. I mean, he, yeah, I'll I'll say this is for true. (laughs) It was harder on me when the kids were really little and he would go away because it was just a lot of work taking care of three little children all by myself. It was harder on him as the children got, as the kids got older and he was missing school plays and Eagle Scout projects and, and, you know, soccer games and just all the things that kids were doing. And birthdays
0: and holidays. Yeah. And... and he was
1: missing all of that stuff. And that was really hard on him. And uh, so anyway, it was a give and take. And um, but it paid the bills pretty well for a long time. And, you know, so I never hated that he was in the military and I never wanted him to leave the military. It was just a different lifestyle than all my friends had. Yeah. Is that safe to say? <laughs>
0: yes. Anyway, I just if if you haven't read this book, and even if like you're not all that interested in the series, um, I think you can read this one fine. Like there's some characters that Well will... and then
1: there's a pre book too, uh Yes. There's a book that talks about how they met. Yes, and there ha- is. And
0: it's how... a I think it's a novella. I'm pretty sure that yeah, one is it's just um, short. But like even if you don't read that, this gives you like adequate flashbacks, um, into, uh, how they met and things like that. Um, but I just think it's, it's such a, it's so unique within the genre. Um, and something that I feel like we should probably have more of. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really great and you guys check it out. So that's Happily Ever Ninja. Good
1: by job, Ellen. I'm super by Penny.
0: Proud. Thank you for keeping your <laughs> mouth you listen, shut. That you my... listen to
1: a book <laughs> that I've already read
0: <laughs> many times. Um. Okay. Next up, we have like-minded Laurie with what she's been reading. So let's hear from her.
9: Hi, Ellen, Mom, and all the No Yomos. This is Laurie, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dash. Rushing the Play by Kaylee Loring and Connor Crace. This is book two in the Boston Tomcat series by this rather inspired author pair. If you don't know, Connor Crace has been a frequent um, narrator for Kaylee Loring's audiobooks, and they struck up a friendship, and their creative collaboration has extended to writing together, which has proven to be super fun. Um, As for this book, I really enjoyed it. It centers on Dash and Charlie, and the book starts out when they're in college, and the Big Bad Football star is sent by his coaches for ballet lessons to help his attitude and his focus and his overall game. And Charlie is a take no crap, very determined, very talented dancer. They end up going their separate ways, but they meet up again a couple of years later, and these two characters are just an absolute delight. It was so much fun to see them grow and mature over the course of the book, dash starts out as a player who is in need of a massive ego check and ends up being brought to his knees by um, a tiny dancer and their tiny unexpected collaboration because yes there is an unexpected pregnancy thrown in here for some extra tropey goodness um, which throws a bit of a wrench in charlie's professional plans but it allows dash to step up and show that he's not just boyfriend material but has dad potential too Sorry, that's my dog in the background making noise. Um, (laughs) Usually, um, a couple of 20 to 24-year-old main characters would make the book feel very new adult-y, but these two have been driven and focused um, on their careers since such a young age. They don't come off as immature. They're definitely inexperienced, yeah, but not really immature. I I loved all the dance stuff um that is presented in the story and I appreciated that that it got equal uh time with all the football parts so in typical Kaylee Loring fashion there is plenty of fun banter um not just between the main characters but also the main characters extended family which is also always hilarious Um, she writes with audio production in mind so it's always entertaining to read her books with your ears but they're fun to read with your eyes too um I'm definitely looking forward to book three in the series, which comes out in just a few weeks, so you've got time to read this one, or even start with book one and uh, before book three comes out. So if you're in the mood for a sports rom-com, I would definitely give this series a go. Um, speaking of book one, it is called Decker, Changing the Play, and I liked it equally well, so I can't wait to hear what everyone else has been reading. Uh, free-for-all episodes are always such a delight, and I'm looking forward to adding to my TBR. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Laura, you know that we are like the last to ever judge on dog <laughs> noises um, and we know them well. I'm currently trying to talk mom into getting a third dog. <laughs> and mom is dragging her feet big time. <laughs> My dad and I will, we will overcome. <laughs> we shall prevail. Um, we have actually two dogs in the room with us today. We usually only have one, but we're the only ones home, and I felt bad leaving the other one out by herself. Um, and funnily enough, our dog is named Kaylee. So, um, this was Laurie with Rush, Oh no, Dash, colon, Rushing the Play by Kaylee Loring and Connor Crace. Um, and, yeah, I've heard about that pairing before, and I think that's adorable and fun. Um, and I do sometimes, that's, like, another, that's a subgenre that I get in, like, a mood for is, like, a sports romance. That's kind of, it's one of my inaugural, like, uh, romance categories. Well, you are categories. super athletic. I'm super athletic. <laughs> um, listen, I have been this week. You have been on your Peloton. Yeah. That's still athleticism. I'm not saying It's not. Jeez, calm down. Well, I feel like I'm being judged right now. Well, you're when all... <laughs> you are the last
10: person <laughs> to judge, you are always
1: being judged. Because <laughs> I'm your mother, and that's my job. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but that book
0: sounds delightful. Um, yeah, one of my like very earliest was a, Um, I think before I even was like officially reading, um, romance. It was like a hockey series um i'll have to see if i can figure out because i liked them a lot and it was even pre-romance ellen it was like chick lit ellen when she thought she was too good for romance jumping in the deep end there yeah um anyway uh thank you for that laurie uh next up we have laurie I always say like-minded Laurie's name wrong. It's I know you do. Laurie. It's
1: Laurie. And then we got a Laurie.
0: And now we have Laurie. Um, so let's not have that confuse us. Here is Laurie with what she's been reading.
11: Hi, no yomos. This is Laurie from Portland, Oregon. The book I want to recommend to you is Alexis Hall's Glitterland. You might know Alexis Hall better from boyfriend material and husband material. Glitterland was their first book written about 10 years ago, and it was just recently released in a new edition. It's the first book in the Spire series, which will have six books in total, so this is where you want to start. The book is about Ash and Darian. Ash is a writer who has bipolar disorder and manic depression. Darian is a flamboyant model who talks with a super annoying Essex accent and has very little formal education, but turns out to be pretty smart about a lot of things. As always with Alexis Hall, this book is really about the journey to self-love, acceptance, found family, British classism, incredibly well-formed side characters. This is a lovely romance, but the real story is about Ash and his mental health struggles and his feelings about being unworthy of love. So be prepared for some heavy times. But also, as with all of Alexis Hall's books, there is so much great humor and hot, sexy times. I really enjoyed this book, and I hope you will, too.
0: Thank you for that, Lori. You know we love That's Alexis so cool. Hall around these parts, um, and yeah, that is a blind spot in my Alexis Hall catalog. I actually know I have a, a few, because um, we've only read the cake one and then <laughs> the boyfriend material and
1: one and boyfriend and husband material and husband material. Yeah,
0: um, but we are a sucker for Alexis Hall's That's banter right. and and wit. Um, so that was Lori with Glitterland by Alexis Hall. Check it out. Maybe I will as well. We'll see. You know me. Um, next up we have Maida, who, um, is actually going to be joining us this upcoming list Mm -hmm. to talk about Love and Other Words by Christina Lawrence. So make sure you tune in for that episode. Not to hear from us, but just to hear from Maida because that's the most, that's the more important part. You hear from us plenty. Um, but let's hear from Maida on what she's been reading.
10: Hi, Noyomos. It's Maida. I am going to review Pride and Protest, which was a debut novel from Nikki Payne. And it is an updated multicultural retelling of, uh, Pride and Prejudice. I think if you are not, um, intimately familiar with the book or the six hour BBC version of the movie, It might be hard to follow along. There's a lot of characters and a lot of story going on. But if you do like Pride and Prejudice, I thought it was a really great um, updated and just bringing a lot of um, fun adaptations from the original. So the main character is Liza Bennett. She's a DJ in Washington, D.C. Um, Dorsey is our Darcy character, and he is Filipino, which is I haven't seen a lot of Filipino heroes and part of the Pemberley Development Company that's trying to build a new development and gentrifying her uh, Southeast DC neighborhood. And they have um, her mom, her two sisters in this case, and Mary is now a brother, Maurice, which actually I think turns into a really great character. Um, Her younger sister, Lidea and her older sister, Janae, and you know, they have a Bingley character and et cetera, et cetera. And uh it was just a really interesting way to update the book and I liked some of the ways that they changed the characters and their motivations. So Wickham is now Wick and he is kind of like a gambler trying to swindle their family out of money. And um Colin, Mr Collins and Charlotte are um also kind of Colin is an up-and-coming kind of political guy, and he's trying to um, make good with a Senator DeBerg. So there were a lot of neat little ways that she adapted the story, but um, you know, added some sexy times, which is always fun, and other things that I thought were a little bit different but actually were well done. So uh, it looks like it's part of a series. There's another one based on Sense and Sensibility coming out. And it was, uh, if you're in the mood for a retelling, I think it was a really, um, good effort. So looking forward to hearing everyone else's recommendations and have a great day.
0: Thank you for that, Maida. I mean, maybe I haven't made this clear enough, but I am a sucker and a half for (laughs) a, uh, Jane Austen retelling. Um, so that sounds delightful. I'm always, I'm always here for that. Um, and that's another way that I cut my teeth, I think, on romance, is I read a lot of Jane Austen retellings. And Um, fan
1: fiction. And fan fiction.
10: (laughs) Yes. I've
0: really, I think, I mean, I think that's the most fan fiction I've read of anything is Pride and Prejudice. I've read a lot of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. I've written one as well. You have. Um, both in fan fiction and Web series, which I know I've talked about before as well. Yes. Um, But yes, I wrote a Pride and Prejudice and I wrote a Northanger Abbey web series. But I've talked about that before and I don't need to talk about it again. No, you don't. Anyway, um, that was Maida with uh, Pride and Protest by Nikki Payne. Sounds delightful. Thank you for that, Maida. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Next up, we have Precious with what she's been reading. So let's hear from Precious.
12: So this is for the winter 2022 and 2023 free-for-all. I picked um, Clean Sweep by Elona Andrews. It's the first book in their book in Cooper series. And, um i got all of the audiobooks on hoopla and the series is complete and the graphic audios are amazing so that definitely works as a benefit for it um if you're unfamiliar with the series the synopsis according to amazon is
13: this is a short novel about sixty thousand words on the outside Dina DeMille is the epitome of normal. She runs a quaint Victorian bed and breakfast in a small Texas town, owns a Shih Tzu named Beast, and is a perfect neighbor, whose biggest problem should be what to serve her guests for breakfast. But Dina is different. Her broom is a deadly weapon. Her inn is magic and thinks for itself, meant to be a lodging for otherworldly visitors the only permanent guest is a retired galactic aristocrat who can't leave the grounds because she's responsible for the deaths of millions and someone might shoot her on sight. Under the circumstances, normal is a bit of a stretch for Dina. And now, something with wicked claws and deep water teeth has begun to hunt at night, feeling responsible for her neighbors. Dina decides to get involved. Before long, she has to juggle dealing with the annoyingly attractive, ex-military, new neighbor, Sean Evans, an alpha strain werewolf and the equally arresting cosmic vampire soldier, Arland, while trying to keep her in and its guests safe. But the enemy she's facing is unlike anything she's ever encountered before. It's smart, vicious, and lethal, and putting herself between this creature and her neighbors might just cost her everything. Andrews is an auto by no matter what the genre. Romantic times if there is one author that defines urban fantasy, it is Ilona Andrews, Annie Tedgelin, Fresh fiction one of the brightest voices in urban fantasy and one of my favorite authors Ilona Andrews delivers only the best New York Times best-selling author Jeanine Frost and the
12: story is very mom-friendly so it'll be safe for her to read this book. Um, because there's no steam that happens in the first book, but you get steam in the third book. So you have to read on in the series. I ho- um I think it's safe to say I enjoy paranormal romance because this is my second free for all pick where I I picked the paranormal romance.
0: Thank you for that, Precious. We also love a good paranormal romance around these yeah. parts. Um, I've actually met Ilona Andrews, who is actually two people. We met them at... Um... Mm, yeah, we did. But I've met them. I met them before that, too, in Texas. But we did meet them at one of our book conventions. Yeah. Um, and then we've read... Mom, well, we were trying to think of it. We've read a series. We read a book. A book. From a series. And then Mom continued on with the series. I did, um, and I can't
1: remember now what it's something, I don't know. It was It was burn was,
0: burn with me. It was Oh, that's right.
1: There was the whole series. <laughs> burn, yes. It was a something with burn, I think.
0: Anyway, um Anyway. These are the kind of things we should have ready before we I start talking, talking about, about it. it. <laughs> um, but that was Precious with C- Clean Sweep by Ilona Andrews. Um, next up we have a Sarah S with what she's been reading. Let us hear now from Sarah.
3: Hey gang, Sarah S. here with my book report. So this time I chose Ride the Fire by Pamela Clare. It's the third one in her Blackwell and Kenley family trilogy, but I did not read the first two and I was fine. So don't worry about that. But that said, I definitely will go back and and read the others because uh, I really like her writing and I loved this book. So... Um, but this one is taking place. It's a historical. It's colonial. It takes place in America. It's 1763, I believe. And so here's the synopsis: Widowed and alone on the frontier, Elsbeth will do Elsbeth Elsbeth Stewart. Excuse me, will do whatever it takes to protect herself and her unborn child from the dangers of the wilderness and of men. Though her youthful beauty doesn't show it, she's broken and scarred from the way men have treated her. So, when a stranger wanders onto Bethy's land, wounded and needing her aid, she takes no risk tying him to the bed, hiding his weapons before ministering to his injuries. But Bethy's defenses cannot keep Nicholas Kenley from breaking down her emotional walls. The scars on his body speak of a violent past, but his gentleness, warmth, and piercing eyes arouse longings in her that she never imagined she had. As Nicholas and Bethy reveal to each other both their hidden desires and their tortured secrets, they discover that riding the flames of their passion might be the key to burning away the nightmares of their pasts. So I love this book because I love this couple. They really reminded me of Paul Dark's. Ross and Demelza. If you guys have read the books by Winston Graham or the TV show, I love that show and I love the books. And yeah, they just really reminded me of of Ross and Demelza and even had some Outlander kind of vibes too. But it reminded me of them because Nicholas is actually comes from wealth. He's titled and she has no status compared to him. She can't even really read he actually later on in the book teaches her to read which I loved so she's very much if we were in you know the UK she's very much below him on the on the totem pole but of course none of that matters and they fall in love um and it yeah it in America, that's what I love too. Just the change of scenery being set in America. You know, I read a lot of uh, the Victorian romance and Scottish romance and things, so it was just a nice change of pace for me, different era. Um, and which, by the way, I can I I don't really ever see a whole lot of colonial historical romances. Uh, so, if anyone knows any good ones, please let me know. <laughs> but. But yeah, Pamela Clare is really, really good at at it. And she's got a couple ones set in America that I've loved. And her writing is just really well-researched and really deep. So um, I love her. But this one, you know, Nicholas is, you know, living. So he's living in America. He is out West living simply. um, um, I believe he's living as a trapper And at the beginning, he gets kind of tortured, kidnapped and tortured by this Wynadot tribe. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing it. I apologize. Uh, But it's a Native American tribe. He has some kind of issues uh, with them. I forget exactly what that all is, but they have history and all. Uh, And so he's been tortured. He escapes. He gets to her place, and she does take care of him, and they fall in love um but she does tie him down to take care of him because she has her own trauma with men and is very afraid of men uh for her own reasons and he also and this is a the bit of the trigger warning he has been raped i do believe yeah he he definitely has has been raped but it's, we don't see any of that. He just discusses it later on with the heroine, you know, as they're kind of opening up about their pasts and their trauma. And so they do heal each other, which is really beautiful, but he explains why at the beginning it was so hard for him to actually be tied down. And, you know, even though she was taking care of him and she meant well um, that was kind of a trigger for him. So um, it, it just, they but they you know get get past it and and like I said, they heal each other, and it's just really sweet, but there are those little trigger warnings if that kind of stuff bothers you, but again nothing nothing is shown um on his side, and nothing else really graphic that I remember on hers either, so um i I don't think it was too bad, but it, yeah, it was uh really. Uh, a beautiful love story. And I just loved how they, how they became, you know, this team and really helped each other get past their past <laughs> and their scars. So, um, yeah, I loved it. And if you're looking for a different kind of historical, you know, and, uh, i I always love the ones set in America just because I think it's they're a little less the rules were a little less rigid, like the victorian- England kind of ones um because, like I said, he's got a title, but it's not like nobody is like running around making sure they have a chaperone, so I personally like that a bit more, just for a change of pace every once in a while, so yeah, it worked for me, so yeah, that's uh Ride the Fire by Pamela Clare. And hopefully, you guys, it sounds good to you. And I can't wait to hear what everyone else has been reading. So, yay. That's all from me for now. But talk to you guys later. Bye.
0: Thank you for that, Sarah. That does sound, it, first of all, it does sound very outlanderish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it also sounds like our cup of tea around yeah, these pies I do like American history. Yes. Kinds of books. And... um at least the cover that I found for this book is so clinchy and like old schooly that um, I love it so much. <laughs> um, but that was Sarah with Ride the Fire, which, hey yeah. <laughs> by Pamela Clare. Um, and then finally, we have Tiernan with what she's been reading. So let us hear from Tiernan.
14: Hi, yomos. it's Tiernan, and for this free-for-all, I read A Cosmic Kind of Love by Samantha Young. I've only read another book by her that we covered for the podcast on Dublin Street. I have to admit the reason I picked this book up was the cover. I know some people aren't fans of cartoon covers for romance books, but I like them, and this cover is so cute. So here's the description for A Cosmic Kind of Love. When event planner Holly Goodman receives party inspiration material from the bride of her latest wedding project, the last thing she expects to find in the files is a collection of videos from the bride's ex-boyfriend. Holly knows it's wrong to keep watching these personal messages, but this guy is cute, funny, and an astronaut on the International Space Station to boot. She's only human, and it's not long before she starts sending emails and video diaries to his deactivated NASA address. Since they're bouncing back, there's no way anyone will ever be able to see them, right? Christopher Ortiz is readjusting to life on Earth and being constantly in the shadow of his deceased older brother. When a friend from NASA's IT department forwards him the emails and video messages Hallie has sent, he can't help but notice how much her sense of humor and pink hair makes his heart race. Separated by screens, Hallie and Chris are falling in love, one transmission at a time. But can they make their star-crossed romance work when they each learn the other's baggage? This was a solid like for me. I was intrigued that it was about an astronaut, and there were You've Got Male vibes, which is one of my favorite things. I thought Chris and Hallie were cute together, and their chemistry worked. Samantha Young really showed the chemistry rather than tell. I appreciated the conflict not being too over the top. I thought there was emotional aspects to this book, um, you know, past relationships and things from their past that they worked on and that they talked about. I thought it was interesting how their careers influenced their decisions, and you know, were they going to be together or not? So it, it was pretty realistic for me in that regard. There were some family dynamics for both characters that I could have done without, especially Chris's emotionally absent, somewhat mustache twirly villain dad. But overall, um, it was a fun read and I really recommend the audio. They had, uh, you know, dual POV and who doesn't love an astronaut hero? I look forward to hearing everyone's reports as usual. And um, obviously I can't wait to add to my TBR too. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Tiernan. That does sound adorable. Yes. We also love you've got male vibes around here. And I love an as, astronaut hero. Yeah. As we uh, discussed Recently, with whatever book it is that we read that had "You've Got Mail" vibes, <laughs> which one was it? It remember. was the one that was like straight up oh, a "You've Got Mail" book, "The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy." Oh, yeah, that. Is, yes, it was that one. Um. Anyway, yes, we love we love that around here. Um. So that was Tiernan with a cosmic kind of love by Samantha Young, and y'all, that brings us to the end of our free for all. Um loved it love to hear from you guys yes this is what we love about the show is um the community and having you guys tell each other and us about what you're loving because let's face it you guys know way more than we do um so we love to hear it anyway that was the free for all. We had so much hear- so much fun hearing from you guys. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is not your mom's Facebook group our Goodreads group, and our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at NotYourMomsRom, or you can email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On March 6th, we'll be starting our spring reading list with For the Roses by Julie Garwood. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show. And we also, just more importantly, love to read them. Um, All right. Bye, Mom. Bye, Ellen. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.